before we come to our text, let me tell you why we're looking at John. And especially if you're not a Christian, this is a great series for you. Or you're not sure if you're a Christian. Or maybe you grew up in the church here and, um, and, you're, and you're still not certain about the gospel itself. The book of John uh, is uh, the, the, the gospel that reveals the very person and work of Christ, especially by Jesus himself. Uh, it's, in all the, it's in the book of John. You have all the passages where Jesus says some very interesting things to all of us that if they be true, then we need to listen up. For he says, I'm the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. But John tells us why he wrote the book. And so I want to give you the reason I want to look at the book because of what John says. And at the end of uh, John, John says this, Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So kind of here's the goal. It's not just that you believe right things about Jesus. That's called intellectual assent. That's called the assensus. It's what theologians call the assensus. Oh, I believe these things about Jesus. I believe he's the Christ, the Son of God. But faith is entering into it. It's believing in the name. Let me put it another way. Uh, a census is like dating somebody and thinking you want to be married. But faith is called the fiducia. When you say to that person, I long to be one with you, and your life is radically changed. That is what John is trying to say. That is why we're going to look at the book of John. Because what is the point of us getting together today if Christ is not God and risen from the dead and who promises to give light and life to you if you don't know him? So every Sunday when we get together as Redeemer, we're here to lift up Christ, and in lifting him him up, we pray that we would draw other men and women to himself. If you don't know Jesus, my prayer this whole week has been that you would hear the gospel for the first time and know the glory of what it means to be one with him. Okay, so now we're at John 9. So if you will look at your bulletin here, we write it down because we want you to look at it. We believe this is the Word of God. Uh, But notice this is a very long text. And, um, but it's necessary to look at the whole text to understand the context, to understand what Jesus is trying to say here. But really what you have, before I read it, is you have have five scenes. You have the scene where the disciples are asking the question, who sinned? is it that this man is born blind? Then the next section is the man is blind. And so he, uh, the, his, he comes to his friends and, they, and neighbors and, and they begin to question, is this really the man? Uh, and then they bring him to the religious leaders. That's scene three. Then scene four is they bring the religious leaders, bring him to the parents to, to see if this is really the man that was born blind. And then finally, uh, the last thing that we will look at is... Uh, 
the, the confrontation between the religious Pharisees and, and, uh, and this man. Okay? So if you would uh, read uh, with me. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Seeing too. And the neighbors and those who had seen him before, a beggar, uh, before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, uh, It is he. Others said, No, but he looks like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. And so they said to him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and watch. And so I went and watched and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. Next scene. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. And now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And he said to them, and some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them so that they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes. And he said, he's a prophet. Next thing. So the Jews did not believe him that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? And his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how, is it now, how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said he is of age. Ask him. Final scene. So the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we're disciple of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, 
But to anyone who's a worshiper of God, does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. Now, this is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, thank you for your word. We thank you right here that it it reveals our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that he is the light of the world, and he is the one who can open our blind eyes and reveal to us the glories of the Father in heaven. So, Lord, we ask that you would give us grace that if we're blind today, that we could see our blindness in order that we might see. And, Father, give us grace not to be those who, seeing, do not see and refuse to come. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us grace to understand your word this morning and to hear the gospel of Christ and be transformed by it. And we ask it in your name and for your sake. Amen. Uh, My wife, Mary Beth, grew up in a family of football players. In fact, her father uh, was, had the opportunity to play a quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams and decided to, to be a doctor instead. Yes, I married that guy's daughter. Um, but she also had brothers that played, and she had a, a brother named Jack who was an outstanding football player. We played against each other in high school, and his team beat ours. But uh, Jack, was, um, Jack was an exceptional player. His junior year, he was already uh, all-region, and uh, eventually uh, his senior year, he graduated and played collegiate ball. But his senior year, um, he, he was given some athletic glasses because he was blind as a bat. And uh, so the very first night that he plays uh, with these glasses, um, he had the, the best game of his career. I think he intercepted several passes and passes and so after the, the game he was talking to his father about it and he said you know I had no idea that football could be so much fun uh, now that I see the football <laughs> well Jack uh, kind of saw but he didn't see and, and so eyesight's a very important thing I think we it, it makes us more confident when we see clearly uh, sometimes I forget my glasses, and uh, the members know when I do because y'all know I can actually read. The visitors don't, but it's because I don't have my glasses. Well, it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, if you're a believer and you have seen Christ through faith, we still see through a glass darkly. Even when you have faith, God has opened your eyes to the realities of who Christ is. And so it's very important that we grow in our faith as we ever draw closer to him. But what we have here in our text today is a man who was born absolutely blind. That's all he had ever known. He was blind from birth. But what's interesting is that in our text, through this healing, he is able to say one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. 
Now, you might read that text, and you might say, well, that's a wonderful thing. Here's this bland, blind man. He, he had to beg. He, he was hopeless. Uh, we kind of see maybe some of his parents' attitude toward him in the text. And, uh, and that's wonderful. Jesus came, and he opened his eyes, and he was able to see. And, and now he can see Jesus, and he can see, and he can go to work and maybe make a living. And that's important. I'm sure that guy was very thankful that he could see. But every theologian will tell you, every commentator will tell you that the purpose of this text is it is a sign that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. But for us to understand that and to see that he is the light of the world is we have to understand that we are spiritually born blind. I will say this. That if you don't know Christ, I don't care if you grew up in this church, I don't care if you're a covenant child, I don't care if uh, you've been in church all your life, um, if, if you don't respond to the gospel and the person of Christ, it is because you're blind. That's what this text is about. It is about the need... For God in his mercy to open our eyes to who he is. Because you cannot respond to Christ through just information. Through biblical principles of living. And so the thing that I want us to see this morning that I think is, uh, is uh, clear in our text. If we are to see Christ and his glory as the only savior of mankind. We must first recognize that we are utterly blind. Now, one of the ways you're going to see this is through the different people who respond to this healing. Now, are you the blind man? Are you the people who go, well, yeah, I think it's him. Or other people, no, it can't be him. I'm a scientist. Blind people don't see. Or maybe you're like the parents, and we'll look at this in a moment, but the parents who, and you have to sympathize with them because they're afraid to be kicked out of the synagogue, and we'll talk about that later. But they're like, hey, listen, this is our sign. But there seems to be no curiosity about who Jesus Christ is. And then you have the religious people. Maybe churchgoers. Who absolutely oppose because of their prejudice of what they think salvation is, what Jesus is saying about blindness. Okay, so, so I've got three things I, I want to look at briefly because we have a lot of people here and we want to do communion and want to get, get the, uh, we want to have time for communion. But for me to do this, I, I have to put it in its context. I, I'm sorry, that's just the who I am. I have to tell you the context of John chapter 9. To make it maybe a little bit more meaningful. The book of John is this amazing book. We, we said that earlier. But what you have in John is John chapter 1 verses 1 through 18. It is the prologue of John's gospel. And theologians for hundreds and hundreds of years focus more on that prologue than any other passage of scriptures. And why do they do that? 
Well, let me read just a few verses. Now, listen to God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And nothing was made apart from Him. And then it says in verse 14, in that prologue, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. Now that's an amazing statement. Matter of fact, that we could shut the whole service down right now and begin to ponder the reality of the incarnation that God came in the flesh in the person of Christ. Okay, so this is a prologue. You know what the rest of the book of John is? It is Jesus saying Everything that John said in those 13, 18 verses, that's me. He is bearing witness to what that prologue says. And the way he does that, and this is important to understand, is through seven signs. The miracles of Jesus. The miracles that Jesus does that he doesn't call miracles. They're just normal stuff for him. But he says, these are signs for you in this room to know who I am. So in John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. And uh, I am the resurrection in the life in John 11. But what we have in this uh, text today is the sixth of the seven signs. And in this one, he uses this miracle to say that he is the light of the world. That he can give sight to you this morning who are blind. So here's a couple of things I want to get from this text. And I want to keep it simple because it's important to me as a minister of the gospel. And Ben, I think you said it. We can preach, we can teach, we can do all these things. But the... Uh, the, the, the thing the preacher is left with is the work of the Spirit to open your eyes and to regenerate you and to unite you to Christ. So here's the first thing to see. Is that conversion is a work of God. This man couldn't see. He couldn't make himself see. He was hopeless. And so, in the same way, that uh, as blind as this man was physically, John is trying to tell us, and Jesus is trying to tell us, that if you don't know Christ, you're blind. Now, some of you, maybe you've come this morning... And uh, you think that the Christian message is summed up like this. Uh, Try harder. Be good. Uh, What we call the killer bees. Be good. Be be like David. Be like Jesus. Try hard. And that would be a miserable message. Just try harder. Now, I wonder how many of y'all think that way. I really do. Even people maybe that have come to Redeemer 
For all these years, you still think it's about what you do. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, but, and you add all these things, I have to be baptized, I have to do this, I have to do that. And what a miserable message that is, right? That's what some, some of you who are here, when you came to church today, that's what you thought Christianity is. Now, why do you think that way? Why do people think that way? This is the message of, okay, Jesus was wonderful. He gave us great teachings. Now, go be like Jesus. And then you walk out and you're really angry because you have to be like Jesus. Why do we think this way? Well, because everything in this world teaches us that. So we're, so we're taught um, by religion all the religions of the world, not Christianity, but the religions of the world are performed. Do what you need to do. And then maybe, hopefully, you'll be able to enter in the presence of Christ. Now, if you think that way, then there's always going to be this nagging pathology in the back of your head where there's no joy, there's no sight, there's only darkness, and there's fear. But even if you're not a religious person, everything in this world is about performance. If you're a secular person, everything in this life is about your performance, isn't it? Everything that you do, you must do it well. Let me tell you why. Because you live in a world that's very broken. You, you, you better perform. And so what do we do? We go to school and we get degrees and we study hard and we try to get on top of things. And the reason we want to do that is because we want to give our resumes so that we might be able to get the job. It lets us in the door. The problem with that is you've got to keep performing, don't you? As a minister, I've got to get up every Sunday. And, and I've, I've got to somewhat be able... Uh, to give a sermon in such a way that you're going, wow, you know, I hadn't thought about that. But you have to perform. You have to perform for your husband and your wife and your kids and your parents. And... But that's a miserable message. And the fact of the matter is, the Bible teaches us that we can't perform. You can't perform. The reason that God gave the Ten Commandments was to open your eyes to how dead you are. You're already, listen, you're already dead in Adam. That's what the Bible teaches. You're born blind because you're born dead in your sin. You're dead in your sin because you're united to Adam in his death. And so God gives ten more commandments so that you might understand how dead you are. That you might understand how hopeless you are. The Apostle Paul puts this, this this way in Romans 7. He said, before the law came, I lived. I was a self-righteous Jew. I thought I could make it. But then when the law came and did its work, I died. So you see, you're never going to see until you understand the reason ultimately you can't see spiritually is because we by nature and what the Bible teaches is that we are dead in sin. So the divine work of God in this first point is the need for conversion. You understand that? You can't see. And if you think you see without seeing, then you're blind. And that's what our text is trying to tell us. If it is not divine, one will never be converted. We need to pray that God will do the work to enlighten us. You know, it's an irony before I go to my next point. We live 200 years after what is called the age of enlightenment. 
It was the idea that, uh, you know, we don't need God, and uh, we can figure these things out on our own, and so man became the center of all things. So you move from revelation, and you move to reason, right? So man is reasonable. Uh, Man is objective. But here's the amazing thing, that after 200 years of all the enlightenment, with all the education, with all that we have, we know if we're honest with ourselves, and if you're not a Christian here today, and you look around you, it seems as though that we are just where we always have been according to what the Bible says. That we are broken, uh, and that we cannot fix ourselves. And all the education doesn't change a person. Uh, You go to prisons and people that are in prisons. And the only thing that's ever going to change a person who's in prison is not more education, but to know who Christ is and to have his eyes open. And you know what? We have plenty, plenty of testimonies of that. All right, so that's the first thing. The second thing that we see in our text is this remarkable testimony of this blind man. Y'all see that? So you have this, this blind man who Jesus heals, and the reason he heals this blind man, uh, and the reason he was blind in the first place, and the, and the disciples are trying to ask uh, the question of what they call a theodicy. I mean, whose sin is it? Is it his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus says, neither now, he's not saying that these people aren't sinful. The, the, the whole idea that there, there's consequences of our sin, that's the fall. But when it comes to specific sins or specific problems in our lives, maybe they're due to sin, maybe not. Jesus says that the purpose of his blindness is so that the glory of God might be de- demonstrated in this man. And there's a lot to learn from this man. So, What is it we see in this man? Well, see, a man uh, who is able to say, I was blind, uh, but now I see. So the man is healed, uh, and, uh, and everybody's amazed. And so the first thing that we see, or the second thing we see, is all his friends and all his neighbors. Who is this guy? Is, is it him? And some people are going, yes, it's him. I know it's him. And others were like, no, I'm not sure about that. Uh, because um, he just looks like him because blind people don't see. Okay? And so some people don't believe because they just don't believe that miracles can happen. Lives can't be changed. The red dead don't rise. And even we as believers, sometimes we take this position of, well, that... that that was just coincidence. Uh, this, this couldn't be because God is actually involved in my life and working, and I prayed about it. Uh, and so, so we see that uh, they don't know who he is. I mean, they're not sure who he is, but notice what the man says. Where does his testimony to those people? He kept saying, wait a minute. It says, he kept saying, I am the man. I'm the one. It happened to me. I'm the one who was blind. But now I see. And so then he comes to, they bring him to the uh, religious leaders and the Pharisees. And they had a lot 
in the bank hoping that this miracle was not true. And so they asked him, "Um, how did you have your sight? And he says, he told them what happened. And so then in verse 24, it says, uh, so the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God, for we know that this man is a sinner. And he answers, whether this man is a sinner or not, one thing I know is I was blind, but now I see. Now, I think the essence of what it means to be a Christian is you, you have that on your lips. You say, this is who I once was and this is who I am now. He said, I don't know if he's a sinner. That's what, yeah, I'm not the theologian. But what's very interesting about this man's testimony is it moves from one thing to the next. First, he says, I'm the man. I'm it. It happened to me. And then the next thing he says, when they ask who it was, he said, well, this man named Jesus. Because he touched me. I I felt his spit on my eyes in the clay. And then when they asked uh, who they thought he was, then he said, well, you know what? He's a prophet. And now he's saying, listen, no one since the beginning of time, and how he knew this is the blind man, no one has ever given sight to the blind. And you know, it's true. Read the Old Testament. But here's this guy who has been given sight, and he's growing in his understanding. And we're going to look at this next week. But, no, but then Jesus himself appears, and he sees Jesus. And you know what he does? He worships him. Look, I believe we need to be instructed in the Word of God. I think I need to, to that's why we studied James. Remember we studied James couple, last semester? Remember why we did that? It's so that we, you know, we wanted to give instruction. Here are the imperatives, 54 imperatives of the gospel. Don't, don't use your tongue wrongly. Don't just hang out with people that you want to hang out with, but hang out with a lowly estate. And throughout James, you have all these imperatives that are there. We went through the instructions. But the fact of the matter is that no matter how much instruction we get, the essence of what it means to know Jesus Christ is to worship him. You understand that? Everything is flowing out of that, that we are able to say, I was once blind, but now I see. You know, it's interesting. Before I come to my last point, but you know what's interesting about this is uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't try to, um, he doesn't, when, when they start asking questions, he, did, he didn't act like he knew a whole bunch, did he? He's very humble about it. Of course, he ultimately ends up being pretty witty. Like, why do you want to be his disciples as well? But he's very humble about it. He said, and, th- and let me tell you, here's your testimony. Here's your, if you have one, here's your testimony. I once was blind. I was self-righteous, but now I see. You look at your past, and, uh, and in my past, I was catechized, and, and I, I grew up in the church. And if you told me at that time that I was not a Christian, I would have been offended. Are you offended if somebody says, well, I mean, I know you go to church, but I don't know if you know Jesus. Would that offend you? 
it would have offended me because in the past I thought that I was a Christian. I was, I was a Presbyterian and I was catechized and I knew Jesus and I could give you the answers, but I didn't know Jesus until 1972. And then I met Christ. And now I see. That's what it means. Don't try to answer all the questions. So here's the last thing uh, to see. Is this. There's a warning in our text. If you've heard the gospel, there's a warning. And you know, here's the warning. There's all these people who have all these different reactions to who Jesus Christ is. Some people are indifferent. Some people don't know. I don't know. I'm a scientist. I don't know what I believe about the resurrection of the dead. Or, yeah, I think it's him, but I'm not really sure if it's him. Or his parents who, because they were afraid of being cast out of the synagogue, that nobody's rejoicing in what's happened to this man. You notice that? Nobody's rejoicing. And I think the essence of what it means to know Christ is when you know him and then other people come to know him and then you rejoice at what God is doing in their life and that they pass from darkness and they have passed into light. And so here, the, the, the warning is this. Um, that if you don't admit you're blind, you'll never see and you'll remain in your blindness. N- not, because, um, not because God won't make you see, allow you to see, but because you don't want to see. Because you see, when Christ shows up and he appears to your life, I can tell you from my life, when I met Jesus Christ, it was never the same. The light of the reality of the gospel had come and there's no turning back. I'm not telling you that because I'm a great guy. I'm telling you that because I think that's the reality of what it is. Now let me just to conclude on this. It's a great, a great illustration of this. Um, I, do, I do social media, by the way. Uh, I, never, I never post anything because I don't want anybody to uh, see me use the wrong grammar. But, <laughs> but um, there was a, there, 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 I got this video of this man. I don't know if you saw it. This great big hawking man. He comes out on his back porch and he's got a big uh, mustache and he's got these uh, glasses on. And uh, so when he walks down the, store, uh, the back porch, everybody starts singing happy birthday to him. Happy birthday. And, of course, that meant a lot to him. And then he had this package uh, by him. And he reaches in the package, and it's some glasses. And then uh, when he, he puts these glasses on, he begins to weep. Well, the reason is because the man was colorblind. And that's how he saw the whole world. It was just basically bland colors. And then when he put those glasses on, he saw the world with all its colors the same way that we, we do. And then all of a sudden, he enters into this world and he begins to weep. You see, that's what it means. It's not do good, try hard, be good. It is when God in his grace opens your eyes this morning that he is your Savior. Then all of a sudden, everything becomes color. And you can't go back. I guarantee you, he doesn't go, well, that was nice. Matter of fact, he kept doing his glasses like this. He would look and the way he used to see and the way he sees now. And he wept. One last thing is to how you know if you've met Jesus. Let me ask you, if you were blind and somebody gave you sight, do you think you'd go tell people? You think you would? 
Well, I heard the story about a, a medical uh, missionary to China. And uh, he simply healed a man's cataracts. A man couldn't see. And the man sees. And the man leaves. And about, and about a month later, this, this medical missionary, he's going to work, and he's coming down the road, and he sees this guy coming down the road. And, uh, and, and he's got a rope in his hand. And on that rope, he had 20 people who were blind because he was going to bring them because of his love for those people to the man who could make them see. You see, this is what it means. When a divine work comes and you see Christ, you have testimony. Let me ask you, do you have a testimony? Or you just want to try harder to be a good Christian and no, here's the testimony. I'll tell you what my testimony, after all these years I've been a Christian minister, he still loves me. And he'll love you too. Let's pray together. Father, this text is very clear that we're dead in our sin, that we're spiritually blind, and Lord, it takes a divine work. So Lord, would you open eyes this morning to the, the beauty that Christ substituted for us. That he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So, Lord, as we come to communion, we pray that we might see Jesus. See all of his love and his mercy as we look to this table. And we ask it in your name. Amen.